Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. I want to read from Acts chapter 2, verse 17. It says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I love that verse because it doesn't say some people. Doesn't say the people who make it. Doesn't say the people who are perfect. Come on, somebody. It doesn't say the people who are at the front of the church building. No, no. On all people, he's going to pour his spirit out. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Can I hear the sons and daughters? Any sons and daughters in the house? Your young men will see visions. Any young men in the house? And your old men will dream dreams. I won't ask that question tonight. (laughs) Can I pray? Dear Lord, I thank You that Your Word is alive and breathing, sharper than any double-edged sword, useful for teaching, rebuking and training in righteousness. I pray, Father God, that your, that your life would be breathed into this room tonight, that Your anointing would fall right now in Jesus' Name, that, Father God, Your Word would produce life in Your holy Name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Tonight's message is called, if you're taking notes, Dream Machine. There are two types of people I've met in my life. The first type of people, you're a little bit like me. When it gets to your birthday, year in, year out, you're happy for the day to happen, and then no longer than that. Like the birthday is something that you endure, not enjoy. Does anybody, is anybody like me? Like every day the birthday comes around and you're like, oh, it's my birthday. That means awkward singing and I walk into rooms and people don't know that it's my birthday and then they apologise for not knowing it's my birthday and then they start singing in the centre of attention in every room you walk into. It's that awkward day of the year where you're getting older and not younger and um, for some reason I think of my life as if it was an iPhone battery. How much charge would I have left? Don't do it. It's not great to think about. And um, every year I feel like I'm getting older. I know it's a terrible thing. And it's, I'm just, I don't know why, but um, every year I'm getting older and older and older. Now that I'm still doing youth ministry, I'm feeling my back starting to hurt a little bit more on a Friday night. And I'm creeping towards a third-ish and I'm getting there. And you got, some of you guys are like, what are you complaining about? You're fine. But... The thing is, there's people like me and the day comes around and it's a day. That's all we have. And then there are other people in this world and um, one day is not enough. And you're like my wife Poppy right here. One day for Poppy is not enough. One day, one week for Poppy is not enough. She has something that she's termed birthday month. And um, birthday month for Poppy is a non-negotiable. Any people like Poppy in the room tonight that you love your birthday and you're not ashamed of it? Like you have your birthday and you have a birthday week and your birthday month. And um, I remember I had never heard of birthday month until we were dating. And one day she was like, oh yeah, my birthday month is coming up. (laughs) Pardon me? (laughs) Birthday? She's like correcting me. No, no, no. My birthday month. And I remember the pressure in that first birthday. And I remember like, and she's like, oh, and I've got my gift list for you too. (laughs) Fellas, can I just say, if you get given a gift list, stick to the gift list. (laughs) Do not deviate away from the gift list. Even if you think it's a great idea, don't move away from the gift list. It is there for a reason. Birthday month. 
You see, I'm saying all this to say sometimes I don't like my birthday because I feel like I'm getting old. And I know there are people in this room, maybe you feel like you're getting old. But I want to say old is not a number. It's not a day that you were born. It's not a year that you were born. Old is a mentality that we carry more than it is your number, which is good news for us, isn't it? Right from the youngest right through the oldest in the room, your age does not determine your, your maturity doesn't, doesn't determine who God wants to use. It doesn't determine anything like that. It's determined in our mentality that we carry towards life. You see, God wants to do something phenomenal through the generations. He wants to do something through generations partnering with other generations. Some of the oldest people I meet are tired 13-year-olds. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Tired 13-year-olds with no vision and no dream for their life. Tired 20-year-olds who don't have a goal or don't have a, a thing that God, they feel God pushing them into. Tired 25-year-olds who don't have a vision for what God could do. And some of the youngest people I've met are energetic 70-year-olds who walk into the presence of God and say, God, what do you want to do in my life? How can you move through my family? God, I, I love this one man at our church named Ian. He's 78 and um, every Sunday he walks into church. And he walks into church not just to come to church, but to be a part of the church. He, he walks into church with an intention to receive something from heaven that God has breathed that week. He comes to church and he is ready to encourage people. He is ready to speak life over young people. He is ready to receive and pray and intercede. He is one of the biggest givers to our youth ministry. Why? Because he has a vision on his heart. He has a dream on his heart. And it's not his age, it's the mentality that he carries towards life. Age is not a number. We need more Eli's and Samuel's in the generations. You see, Samuel could hear the voice of God. And that's the great thing about when we get in the relationship with God, we're younger, we, we quite often can hear the voice of God, but we need Eli's to distinguish the voice of God from the voice of others. We need people to go, hey, I don't know, but this is the direction. We need generations teaching generations how to hear, how to act, how to step out on the voice of God. You see, we need people who are willing to get a word from heaven. There's a lot of words out there, a lot of statements out there, a lot of people saying things out there, but there's not a lot of people walking with a word from God. A word from God will change your life. I studied journalism, I was in Channel 9 in Brisbane and there's a lot of words that we were pumping out day in, day out about the state of the world, what's happening here, what's happening there. Can I tell you this? When you get the Word of God into your heart, it brings a stability that nothing else can. You're gonna have to forgive me for doing this. It's gonna be okay, I swear. But when you don't have a word, everything you do, every step you take is shifting sands. When you don't have a word, you're always looking at what they say, what, they, what, what the family is saying, what people are saying, what, what, you, what everybody else is saying rather than what God is saying. And when you go to the word, you receive the word. And when you actually receive the word, everything else is shifting, but the word of God is sure, it is steadfast, it is strong under pressure. And you can get a word from God and you can stand on, you don't, I'll, it'll be fine, I'm not gonna get smited right now. But the word of God is a weapon of mass destruction. 
The Word of God is a weapon that we need to pick up, we need to receive, and we need to allow God to do something in our life. And I'm praying today that a Word would be brought to His church, right from the front to the back of this room, that God's Word and His anointing would fall in this place in power through generations. This isn't just for the teenagers in the room. This is for everybody in the room, that God wants to give you a fresh Word, a fresh dream for a fresh new season of His goodness mercy and grace. One of the couples in the Bible that I love, Abraham and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, and they had every excuse not to step out, every excuse not to dream into the things that God had called them to dream into, every excuse to play it safe, secure, comfortable, and yet they were able to step out into the thing that God called them for. They were able to step out of the comfort of their home, step out of the comfort of the land that they knew and step into the promises of God. And that's the type of people that God is calling out in this generation who would, who would flee from comfort, who would flee from the normal, who would flee from the natural and who would step into the supernatural things that He's calling His church to be carriers of. Hebrews 11, 8 to 13 says this, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. He was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God, and by faith, Even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, just wait up, if the Bible's calling you as good as dead, you're pretty old to some people, but God still chose to use Abram, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Are you dreaming? See, we've got to have a dream because your dreams will determine your discipline in life. If you don't have a dream, you won't have discipline. If we don't have a God-given dream, we will fail to have discipline in our day-to-day life. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to the place he would later receive as his inheritance, listen to this, simple, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. Do you have a dream? You see, there's success. People talk about success all the time now. What's that, fame, influence, money? No, no, no. Success in the Kingdom of God is obedience to God. It's obedience to His Word. It's obedience to who He's called us to be. It's obedience to applying the Word into our life. That is the greatest success that we can carry as believers in God. Obedience is more than just a boring old phrase. It is revolutionary to His church today in the 21st century. Obedience sets the church apart. So when God speaks, we're obedient and we submit our will for His will. When God speaks, it's not, I don't think God, or no, I don't, I don't think you know God, or I don't think you thought this through God, is yes and amen to God. When God speaks in the gen- into the generosity of our heart, we say, okay, God, where do you want me to give into? When God speaks, we are disciplined to act in it day after day. You see, without a dream, we will always give up what we want most for what we want now. 
McDonald's is a clear example. There's a McDonald's down the road from me and Poppy's house. Every Friday night, we drive home, nothing else is open. It is positioned perfectly down the road from us. And you know, you might want the gym body. You might want the muscles and the abs, but there's McDonald's right there. And without the goal, you're gonna go into McDonald's time and time and time again because it's convenient and that's what we want now. But something happens when you get the dream in your heart, when you get the dream into your soul, and it's no longer about what you want now, but what you want most, what God wants most for you. See, why do you go to church on Sunday? Why do you make that a a priority in your family's life? Not because you wanna do it some days, but because of what you want most. You want a house that is planted in God. You You want kids that are planted in the house of the Lord. As for me and my house, as Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. So the dreams attach disciplines to your life that pull you into your future and that pull you into eternity. See, if you're failing in the disciplines, don't be discouraged. Just get a dream tonight. God can give you a dream that can change your life. If you're failing to, you know, I don't know why I'm so shifting and I'm influenced by them and I'm influenced by that and I'm influenced by that. No, no, if you get a dream, there is supernatural ability in the disciplines. Why do you read your word? Because I've got disciplines in me that I need the word of God to pull me into my dream. I'm doing it because not, even though every day I don't wanna wake up and read the word, maybe, but there are days when I need it more than ever. There's disciplines that come with a dream. You see, what we want is we want afterpay dreams. Yeah, we do, don't we? Everybody wants the have now, pay later dreams. Like, God, if you can give me the platform, I'll do it. God's like, oh, I've given you today and you can start. God, if you give me that thing, that much finances, I'll give. God says, what are you doing with what you got? God said, God said hey, if you'll do this for me, God, I'll, I'll do that for you. God's saying, no, no, you're gonna start today or you're gonna start now. Afterpay dreams don't exist. Anything worth having is worth giving to God and worth taking the steps of discipline so that we can receive what God is breathing on the earth. God wants to bring His kingdom of heaven from heaven and plant it in the hearts of men, women, and children on earth so that they can bring it into the earth. When we get a dream from heaven, I'm believing you can get that tonight. In fact, I know Holy Spirit was speaking to me so powerfully as we worship that He wants to bring people back to dreaming again. Some people have walked in, you're tired and that's fine, but God's gonna give you a new dream tonight. We want afterpay dreams, but they're not good for us. A dream worth having is one that requires you to pay now so you can have later because then you'll be ready to carry the dream. God help us if we ever get to the place where we get given the dream without the ability to carry it. That would destroy us. We should thank God for all the dreams He hasn't brought to pass because if He did, we wouldn't be able to carry the weight of the responsibility for that dream. See, dreams require us to take personal responsibility. Number two, are you dreaming tonight? Your dreams determine your direction. They determine your discipline, but they also determine your direction. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to a city with foundations, 
whose architect and builder is God. Sometimes living with God looks a little bit blind. Sometimes taking that step of faith is a little bit like closing your eyes, feeling out and just taking the steps despite what you see, taking the, I hope I don't fall off the stage, despite where you go, taking the steps, trusting that He is making a way where you don't see it. When we carry a dream, we carry divine direction for the things that He's doing in our life. I'm, I'm praying that direction for people. People have come in asking questions. What do I do here? What's the next thing? God's gonna give you direction for the dream that He's planting in your heart tonight. And it's gonna be step by step by step. See, God is calling you out from the tent of comfortable tonight. He called Abram and Sarah from everything they knew into the thing that He was doing. Out from the comfortable, out from the promise. What does it look like for you? to shake off the comfort, to shake off the thing where you've been comfortable for a while, now you've been resting, those seasons happen, but what does it look like to get back out into the thing that God is doing again? I love the fact that it says he made his home in the promised land. It wasn't the promised land yet, but he made his home in the promised land. Sometimes God will allow you to step into the promises before you see the promises fulfilled. When you take the steps of faith, when you get the dream, you are walking in the promises of God before you get there. Who's thankful for that? That the promises from God actually call into your life as you take the step in direction to His Word. A God dream causes you to live from the promised land before you see the promise fulfilled. And then it says, as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. A God dream will always outlast your generation. Isn't that beautiful? That the God dream isn't for you to get all the glory. It's not for me to get all the glory, but it actually flows through generation after generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. A God dream is for your children and your children's children and your children's children and your children's children so that no man can take the glory for what God does. You see, a God dream will pull you into eternity and plant your feet in the presence of God. It will take you from the natural into the eternal, having seen the things that God has done. A God dream is worth having. Is your current dream big enough to affect the generations? Parent, is your God dream big enough to affect your kids and your kids' kids? Teenagers, one day you're gonna wanna answer this question, but you should start asking it now. Is your God dream big enough to affect the generations that will flow through your life? Says he was looking forward to the city. That's a word for somebody. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but I really feel that I need to sit on this point. Take your eyes off of what was and bring them forward to the thing that God was doing. Take your eyes off the thing that was, the beautiful thing, the thing that you thought was great, the thing that you thought was, no, no, take your eyes off of that place and place them forward of what God is doing. Poppy hates when I tell this story, but I'm gonna tell it anyway. And you can pray for me after. <laughs> I'm not joking, not joking. Poppy had a crack on a windscreen. <laughs> and um, there was a little crack in the windscreen. And throughout the journeys, to and from work, 
throughout a season of a few months, the crack went from one side of the windscreen all the way to the other side of the windscreen. What started as a small crack in her vision ended up affecting the whole vision of her car. And some of the things in your life right now, they start off as a small crack in your vision towards the thing that God wants to do, but you take it on the journey of life and not long after, the crack has actually started to affect everything in your world. Can I say that God doesn't wanna just give you a a half-decent windscreen for your vision tonight. He wants to give you a brand new windscreen for a brand new season. That God wants to do something in your, there's other people in the room and you're too busy looking in the revision mirror. Like we have focused our life, driving our life, looking in the revision mirror of our life and we wonder why we run into things that we were never meant to run into when God's saying, hey, if you'll take your eyes off of the things that was, learn from it, but move on. Learn from it, but move on. For he was looking forward to the city. Verse 11 says, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Are you dreaming? Because your dreams will determine the demand you place on the presence of God. The demand you place on the presence of God. Even Sarah, Sarah was 90 years old when she had Isaac. Too old, too done, time and seasons had passed, but she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Do we consider God faithful? Do we trust God? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you didn't just want God to move, but you needed Him? Those situations where it's not just a good idea for God to move, but you actually need God to move. They're painful, but they have a purpose. They don't always make sense here, this side of eternity, but those moments develop something in us that the good times can't. Those moments develop something in us that peace can't. They develop something in us that, that, that nobody else can develop other than the Holy Spirit who is at work in His church. And so sometimes when we get a dream, we need to place demands on the presence of God. We say demanding things, but we place them on, we get in His presence day after day after day, desperate for a touch, desperate for the strength to continue, desperate to see what God is doing in our families and in our families' families and in our generation. When we get desperate and we place demand on the presence of God, He answers. You see, we serve an omnipotent God. What does that mean? It means He's all-powerful. He's all-powerful, church. Sometimes we forget that. God is all-powerful. But we limit the supply by our demand. When we, get the, when we say, God, I need more of Your presence. I need more of Your peace. I need more of Your strength. I give You my weakness and I ask for Your strength. That's when the supply comes in those moments where we are broken but yet made whole, when we are weak but yet strong, in those moments when we're done but not done for. When was the last time you needed God so much that He was the only one you could turn to? See, the depth of your dreams determine the depth of your demand. Sometimes we fail to have demand. 
because we fail to have a dream that scares us. Get a dream that causes you to live in faith. I remember many of you were walking through many different seasons and I understand that, but I remember distinctly the most recent dream God placed in my heart over the past few years. One of them was I was standing at a youth camp. It's the worst youth camp ever. Um, it was our youth camp. Um, and um, God moved on last night, thank God, because nothing else happened that was great. <laughs> it was like God moved on that last night. But other than that, we faced the COVID lockdown. We faced, and then we pivoted to the next week. We had team in and out. We had literally half of our team there. The other half were working because we had to flip it to the next week. We didn't know if we were allowed to be doing youth camp, but we're just trying to work best with the regulations. Everyone's trying to wear face masks and, you know, teenagers. So um, it was a lot of fun. The day that the youth camp starts, uh, we have no electricity to the building and the Jacks accidentally cut our building electricity. So it gets to about 7 p.m. We've been pivoting, getting in generators and all these types of things happening. This is, and then it starts to bucket down and rain. And we're camping at Queensland winter camp. And if you've been to Queensland, you know when it rains, it rains. Um, and so we've got like, literally, I opened up a kid's tent. He's in there, literally up there in water, laying down. He's like, it's great, I love it. I'm like, no, you do not love it, you can get out. But we had kids coming up in dozens and dozens. We're going out buying airbeds. We're doing anything we can to make sure the kids aren't gonna get sick. Pretty much nobody slept in their tents. There was water everywhere. I get to the end of the camp. I'm on the altar, I'm praying for kids. I'm trying to have a great attitude. Praise Jesus. And I'm praying and God says, do another youth camp. And I say, no. I literally said no as I'm praying. And that's when I knew it was probably God. <laughs> when you say no, it's probably God. <laughs> and I remember I'm praying and I'm trying, to sh I'm trying to shake my mind. Like that was a stupid idea, Dan. Don't even think about that again. Don't get, and then again, do another youth camp, do another youth camp, do another youth camp. And I remember it was at the back of COVID. We didn't have much budget going at that time. We'd only just sort of started meeting together again and had all of the reasons why we couldn't. And then I remember going to God in that moment. I said, God, well, you provide the resource. We're not gonna ask any kids to pay again because the church has already been generous. They've already paid their amount. We're not gonna ask anybody to pay anything from the church, which I thought would cut God off. Like, I, honestly, I thought, well, that's omnipotent, all-powerful. And, so, and then God goes, yeah, you trust me with that. Like, okay, well, and I'm like, well, God, um, you don't have to make a way like with this and that and this. Anyway, a couple months go past, I sort of try to, Ask the guys around me, hey, pray about it. If you feel anything, let me know. A couple months go past, we don't talk about it. I'm praying in my office one day. It was on a Saturday night and I feel all of this vision, this dream come for this second youth camp idea. We didn't really know what it was at the time. And um, the next day at church, I'm about to talk to the people who I'd asked to pray for a few months before about this camp idea. And they come up to me, both of them on the same day. We had a vision last night of what God told us to do. You, we, we're all in, we don't know what it looks like, we don't know how we're gonna do it, we don't know how we're gonna fund it, but we need to do it, we're right behind it. In that moment, I thought, wow, God, you are really on this thing. And um, this started the journey of going to different people and asking if they would contribute to what we felt God was doing in our youth ministry at the time. And I remember we got up, me and Poppy, on one night of youth, and um, when you tell the teenagers they're gonna get something for free, you have gotta give it to them for free. You're in from that moment. And uh, we had no money at this stage, literally zero, zero dollars to do this thing. But we got up and we said, hey guys, we felt God do this at youth camp. We took them on the journey. We prayed into it. This is what we feel. So we're gonna run 
Hilltop Weekend, which is now I think it's sort of like a youth conference from Friday to the Sunday night and it's completely free. We're gonna have food, we're gonna have different things happening in your schools. We're gonna give God all the glory. We're gonna have mental health stuff there, counsellors there to connect in with. Um, And we just literally told the whole youth ministry, we're gonna do something completely for free that we had zero resource for. That drove me to my knees. And it drove me to my knees quickly because I, you know, you can budget for a camp, you can budget to these types of things with wisdom, but getting into that place where God spoke and we just acted was actually so good for me. And I remember going into the meeting with our local council on the Gold Coast and I hadn't met him at that time. We hadn't really done anything too much together. And I go in and I pitch him the idea in faith. And he starts to cry and he says, hey, I want to support this thing. Straight away, over half of the budget that we needed came in. And then I just started sending out, like, I, I, and I was like, walked out of that meeting. I'm like, God, wow, like, my goodness. I did Bendigo Bank, same thing. More and more real estate agents, random businesses, not associated or attached to the church, just started giving in to what they felt they, that we were doing and they wanted to be a part of it. But that all traced back down to this one moment at youth camp where I didn't want to do it, but I felt God plant a dream in my heart that I couldn't shape. Now, There are people in this room, you are walking through much more than that. Can I just say that? And um, I'm gonna pray in the the next little moment about that, but I, I say all that to say this. When God speaks, we can trust Him. When God speaks and it places you in a demand that looks something like this, God move, God move. God, I need Your presence. God, I need Your anointing. God, I need You to go before me. God, I need a dream. God, I need the inspiration. God, I need the strength. That's the place where God moves. When His church would humble themselves and pray. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. A dream that is bigger than you will always cause you to tap into the infinite supply because of your demand. Be a church that places great demand on the presence and power of God. And wrapping up, I'm about to wrap up, but are you dreaming tonight? Because your dreams will determine your drive. You see, a dream's planted in your heart, but it drives you into your destiny. A dream is the anchor to heaven before we get there. It's the thing that keeps us anchored here on earth and pulls us heavenward step after step after step after step. We've got to have a dream that drives us time and time and time again into His presence and into His power. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. How many more people need to perish before we get a dream again? How many people need to perish before we start to have our hearts broken for the high schools in our nation? How many people need to perish before we start taking responsibility for generation after generation? How many people need to perish before we realise, hey God, You can break my heart from the people in my world again and again And again, you see, we've got to have a dream that drives us into the presence of God every day. (coughs) See, drive isn't needed in the moments where I find myself where I want to be. It's needed in the moments where I'm not want to be, but where I need to be. 
where I'm not what I want, where I want to be, but I'm where I need to be. The poorest person in the world is not the one without money. It's the one without a dream. Are you tired today? Can I ask you, check your dream. Are you burnt out on church and religion? Can I ask this, check your dream. Do you not know what the next step is? Can I ask you, check your dream. Are you sick of being disappointed, disempowered, discouraged? Can I ask you, check your dream. Don't expect those who don't have your dream to understand your disciplines. Don't be ashamed for the disciplines that you're putting in your life today that you will produce the harvest tomorrow. Don't be ashamed to pray big prayers about your family today. Don't be ashamed to do the things that God has called us, to be in the Word, to be in prayer, to be in worship, to be in community. Don't be ashamed of those disciplines. You're lacking direction? Check your dream. Are you confused? Check your dream. You see, it's time to dream again, church. I believe God wants to release. I was talking to Holy Spirit before and I really feel He wants to release dreams upon generations in the room tonight. So I'm gonna ask you to do something real simple. Would you stand to your feet? And Holy Spirit's already started to move in hearts, minds, souls. But I, I fundamentally believe that sometimes the best thing we can do is take a physical step that results in spiritual reaction in our life. Sometimes what we need to do is to say, hey God, I'll receive that and you can, you can receive that in your chair. But the good thing for us as human, for us as mankind is to actually take a step out and say, God, I wanna position myself in a new place for a new season to dream again. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.